Hello, everybody, and welcome to Professor P's podcast. I'm Natasha Palumbo, aka Professor P. I'm known for evoking the essence of spirituality by bringing the energetic fire, activating the mind, and speaking the truth. I'm so honored that you are here with us today. I thank you for joining. This podcast is focused on entrepreneurship, empowerment, and energetics. You're going to find a wealth of information inside, guest speakers, and the elixir, a dose of energetic power. So let us join in on today's podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Professor P's podcast. Listen, you now you guys know I stay so excited, but I promise you I'm uberly excited today. But first, let me give you my gratitude. I'm so grateful for all of you. I really love how much you're getting out of the podcast. Thank you for always sharing out. Thank you for spreading the good word. Thank you for receiving the messages each week and showing up. I know you've been enjoying the guest speakers, and that's what I have for you again today. I'm bringing you another guest speaker. I'm so excited. Melissa Mogonzo Murphy. Pronouns, and I love this, you guys. Listen to these pronouns. She, they, and sis, baby. Listen, and you might want to say baby too. No, I'm just throwing that up. Melissa, listen, is the CEO of Mogonzo Entertainment and owner of Mindy's Kitchen. She is a graduate of UC Davis, Sacramento State, and Sacramento Entrepreneurship Academy. Maganzo Murphy is an actor, humanitarian, businesswoman who truly believes that Black women are the architect and prototype for global scientific innovation, media and entertainment, and technological advancements and lead all of her efforts with the intent to give visibility, create space, and give back. You are definitely want to stay tuned to her. I'm going to link all her information. But Melissa, thank you so much. I want everybody to know, first of all, we've had this aha moment before we jump live here on the recording about how many full circles we've had with each other here. And I saw her speak uh, at the SEA graduation for one of my mentees who you've heard her speak, Emily, in the past. And I about lost it, you guys. I was like, uh, how do I sign up for her fan club? <laughs> Um, how my daughter and I freaked out. We like damn near tackled her. No, she was welcomed us, but she probably was like, oh my God, he's crazy. (laughs) But Melissa, thank you so much. I mean, tell us a little bit about you. Tell us a little bit about your background and then, and then let's just go from there. Yeah, I love it. What's going on, everybody? Thank you for giving us your listening ear to this episode. I love full circle moments because it always reminds me that, you know, life is so intentional, even when we don't know what the hell is going on. Every second of our existence is intentional and ends up making sense in time. So just having that moment with you is just like, ah, of course, of course, the universe would do this to us. Mm -hmm. So uh, a little background on myself. I tell everybody I'm from heaven and I'm here for a good time. I don't know how long the time, but I'm here for a good time. And um, in that time, I have figured out what my superpowers are. I have figured out what my assignment is. I have Mm. figured out. Um, how I'm supposed to use this gift, this opportunity of life in this beautiful Mm -hmm. shell and this black body uh, Mm -hmm. to be able to give back in a very specific way. And, you know, once you find that life just feels like a combustion, you're just like ready at all costs to just do the thing. So um, I was born in Florida, 
raised in Southern California. And I was so active in high school and middle school. I had a singing group, a dance group. I did hair. I was a cheerleader. I was a stepper. Um, yeah, it, I had all the things going on. It's because I come from an incredible mom who was also really talented. Mm-hmm. She's a songstress. She's a musician. Uh, she's a songwriter. She's She's been on TED Talks. She's a Toastmaster. She's all these things. So growing up around this energy, you can't help but being like, I like that. Mm-hmm. I like that. And um, when I was eight years old, she was putting some notes together and she was like, girl, come over here and hold this tenor note for me as I figure out this thing. Because she had a singing group called RCM, which was Renee, Cynthia, Melinda. My mom's name is Melinda. We're a family Mm -hmm. of M's. So she's playing the song and she gives me the note to hold it while she sings the alto note and we harmonize. And she's like, oh my God, you can sing. And so literally after that, like any other mom would do, she found a children's program for me to be a part of and the rest is history. And so I've been having a microphone in my hand since I was eight years old. And I knew from the first performance that this feeling that I get on stage, I could do this forever. I didn't know then that I'd be doing more than just singing and talking. I'd be doing a lot of different things, but that feeling of being on stage is something I knew that I wanted to do forever. So yeah. That's amazing. Okay, now here's a funny moment happening live. Where in Florida? Orlando. Shut up. This is hilarious right now. You guys, we can't make this up. I'm from Florida. Okay. <laughs> we can't ma- see. Here you go. Look, oh. look, look at this. I'm from Fort Myers, Florida. Oh <laughs> Listen, oh I was born God. and raised in Fort Myers, Florida. Um, my son's father actually still lives in Orlando and his sister and them. they all live in Orlando. It's so (laughs) hilarious. She said, Florida. I was like, well, I missed that part. Didn't know that, but Hey, yeah, of course. Um, it's different in Florida than here. So when did you move here to Southern? When did you move to Southern California? What, What age? Yeah. So I also preface this too. I'm the daughter of immigrant parents. So my father is from Nairobi, East Africa, Kenya, and my mm. mother is from the St. Thomas Virgin Islands. Mm. Uh, my father is, she, he speaks multiple languages, seven to be exact. And my mother speaks Spanish. So I just grew up with this robust understanding of like what folks can be and all they can do. And, you Absolutely. know, and, and my version of blackness is so expansive. So I learned that really early. I just felt like we were just very unstoppable people. And it wasn't until I got to school that people felt otherwise. So I was like, what you mean people can't do that? I've seen women do incredible things. I've seen Black folks do incredible things. Like, what do you mean? So uh, my parents split up when I was eight and we moved to Southern California to be near my mom's family. So she has um, aunts and a twin brother. And so um, that's okay. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. Okay. That is so, that is, that is so cool. Um, what was, you know, so was it about when you were eight that you are, were these aha moments already happening? Or was it that moment when you came over and your mom also was like, Hey, you could sing. Was it that aha moment or when you was know, it? <laughs> you know, what's really cool is, um, I grew up hyper-cultural, hyper-religious. So, I was raised Seventh-day Adventist. I tell everybody I'm a recovering Seventh-day Adventist all the time. I'm a recovering Mormon. Don't worry. Okay. 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 So everybody's healing. They're doing the healing work to get yeah. through that. Uh, but the most beautiful thing about uh, being in a religious environment is a lot of the music. And so I was exposed yes. to, like, my mom was one of the first people to teach Brian McKnight the piano. Like, I was just around really talented people 
And every summer, uh, my mom would play, which I didn't realize she was a freelance musician at the time. I just knew she played the organ and the piano. She would go to this thing called camp meeting. Um, Seventh-day Adventists have this thing in the summer where we all go out to this campsite and we're just there kicking it in the camp for like a month at this huge like campsite. And there's like food and games for the kids and all this stuff. Well, there's these choirs and these singing groups that cultivate there. And there were children's choirs with like 200 kids, okay? And it would be recorded on VHS. So the one VHS that I think we still have is when my sister's less than one years old in a car seat. My mom is rocking her with her foot on this side, playing the piano and (sighs) her pedal on the left foot on this side while I'm singing my heart out in this children's choir five years old. I don't know if I caught the beat or I was on my own beat, but I was in the front row of this huge 200 person kid choir. And I'm giving it all that I got. I'm, I'm telling you, I'm belting out. I still remember the song. And, um, I don't know if I could actually verbalize that I love doing this, but I just knew like, it was serious. Like I wanted my puffy dress, my puffy socks, Bollies in the hair, mom, don't have me slipping out here. It's time to go, you know? <laughs> so, uh, but I, what I actually remember wholeheartedly is when I was, um, uh, I think I was seven and when my mom had me in an after, after church program. And then we started doing dancing when I moved to California and I was eight. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What's so funny is I, I tell my, my students all the time and those I train that the gift is within us. Yes. And what happened for you is that you actually had a, you, which we do come from gifted families, but yours did not suppress their giftings and get mm, sucked into the matrix. Like I like to call it, right. They really embrace the gift and from that, you had liberty and freedom to embrace your gift. Well, let me say this as uh, to an extent, because I also still come from immigrant families. So that was all cool when it was extracurricular. When the time came to come to college, I never oh, doubted. It changed. Changed oh, a yeah. Bit. They oh, turned okay. up. The immigrant oh. side of them turned up. They said, they activated immigrant powers and said, we're going to show up and show out. And um, oh, okay. that's when I first learned about the internalized oppression and internalized fear and imposter syndrome and um, how society had mentally captured my parents into thinking that you have to have the top five jobs, doctor, lawyer, nurse, teacher, engineer to be successful. Or my favorite as a former educator, you should work for the state. That, that line runs through immigrant families like you would not believe. Wow. But I think what they're saying is, I want you to have a secure future. And all I know, based on my experience, is that That's if you right. work for a government entity, you'll have health, pack, you know, health, health benefits. You should be able to buy a home. And we've only seen that done from people who graduated from college, right? The world is different now, but those values and those fears still run rampant in a lot of communities. And so Mm. here I am, I have a dance company, a singing group, I'm doing hair, I'm a cheerleader, I'm doing solo performances, I'm doing my mom's hair, I'm doing her coworkers hair, I'm doing all these, all these forms of expression, right? Here I come senior year, and I had a teacher sneak me into AVID so I can get the free applications to go to college. And I was like, I really want to go to Juilliard in New York. I want to be a dancer. And my family said, that is so cute. That is the cutest little dream you could have ever said. You're not, but that is so cute of you. 
And I remember being hella confused. Like, how y'all gonna go to my performances to turn me up and now it's time to do the thing. And you're like, don't do the thing. Do something that's gonna make your grandparents happy, right? And so um, I remember thinking, oh, my whole family is a bunch of haters. I'm out, right? That's literally how I felt. And so I applied to the furthest UC that I could find in my house in Southern California, which happened to be UC Davis. I never took a tour. I never asked any questions. I just know I applied with my free waiver and I turned 18 in the middle of my senior year. So I got my credit card. I bought my one way ticket on my first credit card. And I said, summer, I'm out. Chucked up two of the deuces, caught my one way. And I came to Northern California by myself. And I should have known there was no black people up here <laughs> because you I- <laughs> chose UC Davis too. Uh-huh. You went to Davis. And I thought it was the Bay. This is how just, oh this yeah. It always cracks me up when people come to Northern California. My pastor thought Sacramento was like the LA. Like no. Sam, I said, no, in the Bay Area. I said, oh God, no, it's so <laughs> different. <laughs> but you don't know. But that's how disconnected Southern California and Northern California are. It's, you just don't know. Everybody thinks Northern California is Oakland and everybody in Northern California thinks Southern California is LA or San Diego. And then Fresno just doesn't get as much love as it should. So it, it's a mess. It's a whole mess. So I was like, oh, I'm going to school in Oakland. Definitely says Davis, California. And I remember getting out, I was like, are these cows? Are these turkeys? What the? And I got a one way. I'm like, oh, and, and that's literally how I got up here. You know, you said some things that I want to resonate with, with just a moment, because, ah, wow, look at the psychology, look at the mental anguish, look at the emotional anguish, the extracurricular, like, yeah, let's go. I'm at, I'm at every competition. I'm at every dance recital, like, man, come hold this note for me. But the minute you wanted to pursue it as a reality into existence, that would really catapult you far beyond that right. stage job <laughs> that right. all that five feet folder you know titles every last one of those are capped but over here in entrepreneurship right. in the creative world there is no captivity because we are free spirits therefore we are able to dance However, However, and that's what you were going to do but I think about the mental anguish that children go to and and how that is that's it's almost like it makes me want to feel like raping a little bit, like, like how you tease me like that and then make me feel this. But then all of a sudden you are saying, no, I have to go this way yet. That's a lot for a child to, I can see, you know, and to, I can see the confusion. And then I can, that's where the dream dies for many people, because here's what happens. What, what you really didn't do is succumb to the pressure of that, what I call generational conditioning, that legacy of conditioning that's passed on. You said, I'm not picking up that jacket, right? That jacket doesn't belong to me. That worked in your season, mom, and that your season, dad, and and in grandma's season, like it worked there, but this is a new season. It doesn't work in this season for me. But what happens is we pass on a generational legacy of conditioning. So we're just piling on jackets, on jackets, on jackets, right? And people get lost in that their dreams get lost in that and i it, it i have to say it used to happen a lot with the older generations like i i hear many of their stories about being artists or dancers and being told that you can't make a living doing that you can't make 
can't live doing that. And then they got crushed and got sucked into a world. And so instead of dominating their dash, right, we have a beginning, we have an end, and then we live forevermore, but there's a dash. And instead of dominating that dash, they just became a dash. And so here's the thing. And, and this is why I know I needed to become an educator at some point to heal that part of me and to restore that part of me and to push a different narrative for the many, many first generation, second generation students that came through my office that honestly would never leave because I was just, I would go to toe with them and their families about why they should choose differently or while they're unhappy or what is the real concern here. And at the, at the end of the day, the really big concern is that parents just want to go to graduation, right? You, you want to go to graduation. You want to brag to your friends and family as a bonus parent myself. So this is not an attack on parents. This is also me saying too, where me and my wife had to genuinely have a conversation about our daughter in seventh grade. Like, what is the point of gate again? Like I had to like honestly think through myself because it's not, the kid has to do the homework, right? I have to do the homework. I have to actually like what I'm doing. That's the way I'm going to actually get to graduation. But I don't think parents understand that sometimes or families understand that. And college is only as fun as you make it. So me just going to study engineering does not mean I'm going to be an engineer, right? (laughs) It doesn't, it's not, it doesn't mean anything. If I exude that I like that. And that is something that I have said from my heart that my dreams are telling me, right? That this is for me. Then hell yeah, I'm gonna be the best engineer you ever did see. But if I'm telling you, maybe not verbally, but expressing it right through movement, through desire, through how I'm spending my time, that something else is calling me, you know, that's the future talking to us. And I'm a really big believer that the future is always talking to us. Their signs are always telling us (laughs) we're either making the right decision or we need to, we need a reset. Mm -hmm. And it's just about whether we listen. But what I hear a lot and it happened to me is, well, if you go to college, you'll figure it out. You'll be smart and then you'll graduate and then you'll get a job and you'll live happily ever after. Well, here's the thing. I got to college. Check. I was miserable. So what did I do? Copy paste. Started a singing group. Started acting. Started becoming a dance teacher. Started a dance. I, I copy paste. Right. I started doing hair. I was even doing the vice president's hair. Like I'm doing all of this stuff because that's where I found my joy even though I'm studying international relations, gross. (laughs) And so I never went to class. So I actually ended up getting kicked out of UC Davis my sophomore year. How funny. And I never told my parents. I just immediately rolled into Sac City College, community college, and started Mm -hmm. working as a waitress, still doing hair, still singing as a freelancer, but was a graveyard waitress at Denny's. And I did that for an entire year before I advocated and got myself back into UC Davis and finally told my mom like, girl, last year was crazy. It was a crazy year. It was wild, but your girl is back. So, um, and I didn't realize, which I wanna share with other families. If you have a really active child and they go to college, for me, me getting kids out of college is one thing, but if I live there, that means my housing is gone. If I have yep. a job there, my job is gone. Yep. If I only have friends there because we're all in college and I don't go to school, my friends are gone, right? Yep. You know, my sense of understanding community and foundation identity. is gone. It's gone. Then you're like, why don't, Why am I just living in Davis? Because that's what it was at the time. And I was like, uh-uh, I didn't choose to just live in Davis. So, Yeah. That it, it that is so funny and fascinating. And I think it's very important to 
you know, um, give people grace to be who what's really inside of them. And you had to make some hard choices. One of the, one of the things too, that I want to note is see you're multidimensional and many children can be multidimensional and many people can be multidimensional, but we live in a very one dimensional world or you think you've got, and that's not how I I am super, I'll be like, no, not me. I am, I am multidimensional. I'm going to do it. I I don't even tell people all the things that I do because they'll think I'm lying. And I'm really not like, I really do all those things. (laughs) This is how I'm designed. And it's important that I operate in my design, my human design, right? So it's, it's important that I operate in that design. And as a child, that can be hard. And that's where I think, you know, we come up with these things. Oh, they have ADHD. I, I, one of, one of, um, a young girl I met with the other day, she was like, can I ask you a question, professor? I said, oh, sure. She was like, do you have ADHD? Cause you like talk really fast and like, you're like, I, and I have ADHD and it's okay if you do. And I was like, oh my God, that would be so wonderful. Right. I, her, I said, I have energy. I, we're supposed to, and we're supposed to be a little sporadic. And it makes me think of Monsters, Inc. in the story, Monsters, Inc. Now, mind you, right, I'm a mommy. I got a little one. I got an older one. It's just how I roll. But mm-hmm. uh, in the in the story, Monsters, Inc., what are they doing? They're scaring for fear, for energy. And that's what happens. But there was an energy deficit, if you look, where the real energy is, is in joy and yep. energy and happiness and the bouncing as children are supposed to be. And we unfortunately are trying to harness this beautiful energy and to the point that we're creating adults who have no energy, right? And we're suppressing that energy and we should not be doing that because they are deserving. We're energetic beings. Energy cannot be created nor destroyed, right? We are energy. We are emotion, right? We are energy in motion. These are all important factors to our humanity and to honestly, to the health of humanity coming forward. We cannot continue to live under such oppression. And when you have this oppression tied into generational oppression, tied into ethnic depression, tied into cultural, I mean, goodness, this is why we you know you fight so hard understanding black power and what what uh, honestly black women go through and endure mm-hmm. and so let's talk about how you have grown and, and where you're at now and kind of the things that you're working on as an activist because you really yeah. are an activist you're an amazing speaker if you if you ever get to hear a chance to hear her outside of the podcast but as a guest speaker somewhere I promise you're going to be lit on fire <laughs> uh, but tell me about this journey and like and and how you really you know, I think you embrace your voice as, as a vicious weapon and one that is used as a shield as well. Like I, it's like that sword and shield type thing. So talk to me a little bit about that journey. Yeah. You know, I appreciate all of that feedback because I recently actually just made a post and really documented all the ways in which people have told me how I wasn't going to make it. Um, so in high school, I remember I had, um, an English teacher in my 11th grade year, who told me I was a terrible writer, terrible communicator, and I was never going to make it to college. Okay, cool. Get into college. 
do the thing, get kicked out, get back in. It was that moment. Everybody has that turning point, right? Where I started to get into activism and Black visibility and becoming more vocal and knocking down the matrix, right? So seeing the bigger picture, you know, of things and how we're all, we're all seeking connection and community and love and, you know, everybody's seeking all of those things. And we need to move past these ideals and these fears that were made up, right, by people that had other agendas. So, you know, I found liberation in my identity, being a queer Black woman, and just all, all these things were just like allowing me the space to grow and own, because that's the beautiful thing about a turning point. Some people call it breakdown, some people call it turning points. You have to sit with yourself. You have to sit with yourself and be like, okay, yeah. shit can't get any worse. So let's let's have a moment and, and let's, you know, get to the foundation of these things. See, you're in college. Again, I'm at this turning point. I, my the recommendation somebody told me is you should just go work for SMUD. I'm like, does this personality give you SMUD? <laughs> and for our listeners that are not in Sacramento, uh, SMUD is um, a utility company. It's a utility company. And there's a lot of pipelines with the local universities that lead to working mm-hmm. in a very robust career at this place called SMUD. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a system. However, and this is not anti-SMUD. I'm actually a fan of all the folks there. They're great partners. But for myself, I was like, I'm meant to be vocal. I'm meant to be expressive. I'm meant to be an entertainer. And I just got into acting too. And I I killed it down both times, both cycles. And so I was like, okay, but still, all I heard was when I was 18, you can't do it. It's too competitive. And now I'm like, oh, I'm too old. I didn't study dance. You know, so you hear all those things. And this is why it's so important to whenever your children are facing a turning point to foster in positive thoughts, because when they go, when they get down, that's what they're going to revert to. Right. You're going to think about, okay, who are my people in my life that are protective and what do they say? And it's going to go to even empowerment or suppression. And for myself, it went straight back to suppression. So I was like, Mm. oh, and so all of my mentors in college worked in higher education. And so my senior year, I was having this crisis. I was like, I ain't trying to work for utility company, but I'm too afraid to apply to dance. And they're like, oh, Melissa, you were a student chancellor here. You should apply to be in the higher ed master's program at Sac State. I'm like, what's that? And that's when I realized all my mentors actually have real jobs. They work there. I don't know why I didn't make that connection. I, <laughs> even though they were there every day, that's right? Sick. Never realized, oh, you work here for a living. So... I applied to grad school. I barely get in because when I got kicked out, I had a 1.7 GPA. And when I got back into school, I had a 2.4. And with all the work that I was doing, I mean, I was traveling with the chancellor, recruiting people to college, all kinds of stuff as a student. I graduated with a 2.67. But at the time that I applied to the master's program, I had a 2.51. And the minimum was a 2.5 to even be considered. Talk about oh living God. life on the on the line on the line. Boy, let me tell um, you. Because I still hated my major. I just love the extracurriculars. Here we are in high school, right? Copy paste. So I get into the graduate program, and um, I get in. I said I want to do my research on the college transition of students of color because there is idea, yeah. especially for first generation students that your college degree is supposed to change your entire family's trajectory. And that is so much pressure mm-hmm. on people who are still trying to get their shit together, right? Like mm-hmm. life is a journey and it's a lot of projection, right? On these 
these souls that are just like trying to make a difference while figuring out their light, their journey, their assignment, et cetera. So what did I do at this point? Everybody listening, you know what I did. I copy pasted. So <laughs> here I am again. I joined a tra- I joined a professional dance company, auditioned and got in. And so we traveled. Mm-hmm. I was in a dance group. I started another singing group. And then I also started to direct shows. So I started doing show running for um, theatrical productions and acting. All the same things, right? So this time I was like, okay, girl, you either listening to the calling or you're not, right? Because your spirit can only take you suppressing it for so long. It can, you have to listen. And so in 2013, I graduated from grad school in 2013 and even had an advisor tell me, you're a terrible writer. You're probably not going to graduate. So these are still these reoccurring themes, right? Mm-hmm. So graduate, get a professional job as an admissions counselor, and I'm doing recruiting. I'm recruiting students to come to college, but this time I'm talking to their families. And I thought that was such an inspirational and place a privileged place to be because as someone who didn't originally have family support, coming in to talk to families, to empower families to have support and being able to speak the language of the prospective Mm. student and also speak the language of fears of people who have had really hard times navigating this country. Like it was such a restorative justice. And I felt so honored to be a temple, like, you know, um, not a temple, but just be selected to be able to be that um, advocate of change and that person that can be an agent of service to these families that just needed someone that's not going to ignore the family's fears, but also address the wants of the student because somebody's paying for this and it's too much to go and be miserable. Whether you're paying up front out of pocket or you're paying student loans, either way, it's a lot of money. So you need to at least like the fact that you're going to go to this place. So yeah. That is so fascinating. I I really love that this last part, especially uh, that you, that's, that's that victory moment mm-hmm. that you become what you, you became what you needed. Yeah. You became what you needed. You became that voice of reason. And what you also did was you didn't just be the voice for one side. You were able, and this is so important because you know, both parties have feelings in this. Both parties are going through emotions with this. Both parties have belief systems that are rooted in conditioning with this. And both parties are still seeking ultimately very same results, which is that, you know, their offspring prospers and the offspring pleases the parents or, you know, however this is held. And so I love that you became um, this beautiful voice for them. And so that seems like when it really started getting good for you, like now I like, I like when you said, you know, you're either going to answer the call or you're going to keep hanging up the phone, you know, like you're going to keep acting like it's telemarketers. It's not a telemarketer. I love how now our phones tell us, you know, it's just, yes. Oh scam. my gosh. It wasn't no. that it was a clear channel. Okay. No <laughs> possible scam. This was a clear call from destiny. Her, 
okay, <laughs> sis, babe. So, right, like it was like a clear call and you finally said, okay, enough of this. And at that, you you began to turn and then this life's work began to really fulfill itself and this promise that was already spoken. You know, you made a mention earlier about if you're listening that, you know, you'll hear and I, and, and, you know, the direction that you need to go. And it's because quantum, I'm a big fan of quantum physics and mm-hmm. I believe everything already exists. You know, I have mm-hmm. a, a short podcast on quantum physics, a lesson, and it's doctor approved, mind you, because my doctor friend in the East coast, she was like, Oh my God, I don't know how you did that, but love it. Oh, doctor approved, but it's quanta, you know, the quanta is out there and the quanta is smart and the quanta has a brain and the quanta exists and quantum physics teaches us that everything is already there. That's why you have, before you ask, that's why you can have that feeling. You're like, Oh, I have a feel. I just have a feeling, but yes, that's why you can experience this so-called deja vu. No, it's because it already exists. My love, like everything already exists. And so as now this turning point comes and you're moving through student services um, tell me how you got from there to like Mindy's kitchen and you have this amazing tour happening and this huge, you are really now coming like almost for the jugular of the truth of what has been happening to black women, especially with their, you know, reproductive systems, which is yeah. so important. Let's, let's go there. So we're there. So through all of this, Um, My senior year of college, I started having these really terrible periods. And I remember, and when I say terrible, I mean, like I'm bleeding for 14 days, 16 days. I'm bleeding heavy the entire time. I'm dropping clots the entire time. I'm wearing overnight pads and um, super plus tampons, changing tampons every hour. That's what I mean by terrible, right? I mean, all the things. And I want to be very clear on that because for anybody that's listening that may have those same symptoms, that's actually an abnormal period. Mm-hmm. But I know in the many families, we don't even talk about periods because we're so afraid of women, identified folks being liberated sexually that everybody thinks if you have your period, you're going to have a baby, you're going to have sex and die. Like that's literally the messaging when it comes to that, rather than being like to have a cycle, to be able to menstruate is such a powerful tool that powerful. the body's been given to curate life. Like this is a, a, such a beautiful gift and not everybody, you know, that has that ability wants to give birth, i.e. myself and not everybody that doesn't have that ability doesn't want to give birth. There are people without that ability that absolutely want to birth a child, want to be a parent, want to do the things. There are people that are, you know, caregivers, you know, people that are surrogates, people that are adoptive parents. I mean, there's so much advocacy around just like reproductive justice. So I just want to preface it with that. Mm-hmm. And I remember calling my family. I'm like, yo, anybody in the family have bad periods? And it was so normalized when I asked. They were like, oh, yeah, your aunt, me, your cousin, my cousin, my grandmother. Like, it was just so normal that it was basically like the message was, don't worry about it, girl. It's just in the family. Relax. And I was like, oh, no. And then my period that took me to the doctor was when I literally bled for six months. Now, this, this is when I went to the doctor after a couple of weeks had gone by. I was still bleeding. I was like, hey, I'm having cramps. I'm having profusive diarrhea. Like I'm having migraines, my bloating. I'm getting wet. I got acne. They're like, let's put you on birth control. No scans, no questions about family history, nothing. 
And so I was like, ah, I really want a hysterectomy. And my doctor, my feet, I'm going to say woman, my woman identified doctor, cisgendered, heterosexual, able-bodied doctor, mid-30s, looked me in my face as a 23-year-old person and said, well, one day you're going to get married and your husband is going to be very upset that you cannot have children. So we're going to deny you your hysterectomy. In my face. No, I I could not believe that this person was advocating for a fictional character right. that's supposed to potentially come down the line and how their emotions and right. their feelings of disappointment right. with my present day harm. Overruled you. Yes. How? I later found out that no. she had just had a baby. And so the thought of a patient not wanting to give birth literally made her feel like I'm not a good person. And so I remember before I left, she was like, you know, having a hysterectomy is a very permanent decision. I said, having a baby is also a very permanent decision. They're both really big decisions and I'm just not feeling supported. Right. And all of my verbiage as a 23 year old. So I remember going, feeling hopeless. And I had a family friend who was a nurse practitioner who was vegan at the time, who was like, you have fibroids based on your symptoms. Mm-hmm. I know what you need to do. Let, we can, let's at least cleanse the body to get your period to stop because you can't function as a human bleeding all the time. I mean, it's hard to be intimate with a partner. It's hard to function at work. It's hard to laugh, sneeze, or cough. It, you're wearing yeah. black all the time. Like you're just like, I don't want any accidents. The car is dangerous. Like it, you, it gives you a lot of anxiety, a lot. Yes. And I went vegan for three months. And I, first of all, my periods reduced to two days. Mm. my cramps went away my bloating went away I lost almost 30 pounds I no longer had headaches I was like wait what so what is going on and that's where the conversation about you know all of this uh, medicine is put into food before it arrives to us and these chemicals and these synthetic blends of all these prescriptions and how our body can't take that and we already produced a certain amount of testosterone and estrogen so with anything synthetic coming in our bodies it throws that off hormonally hence our body is just trying to figure it out and the only way that it can get rid of it is through our pores our cycle or through the way we use the restroom and if you're not using the restroom enough it can't get rid of it. if you're not drinking a lot of water it can't cleanse itself. And our uterus is a storage. Now, some people store babies in there. Other people store junk that our body can eliminate, hence creating PCOS, endometriosis, adomyosis, fibroids, because it's all trying to eliminate in some way. Um, And and people don't want to talk about what that means um, because, you know, our body stores whatever it can eliminate it. And then where it decides to store it is what creates the ailment. And instead of talking about that, Uh, Our medical system is really good about giving us these synthetic blends to put in our body to suppress that one area, instead of saying we need to do a deep dive into what's been going on in your body. And so I went through this up and down journey of changing my eating habits. I stopped eating sugar. I didn't eat soda. I didn't drink soda, didn't drink juice. Um, No, no pastries, strict vegan, water, teas. Now, let me say this. I did have some champagne every now and then. Not going to lie to nobody. But that was my life. And that cleanse literally led me to be on this very inquisitive journey about injustices that happened in the hospital, mm. Band-Aid medicine over healing and well-being and wellness, um, you know, really reproductive justice, uterine justice mm. for people that have uteruses, people with the capacity to give birth. And it opened up, it opened up some stuff, Professor P, to the point 
where I started presenting at conferences and we would have to stop because people would cry. Yep. People would talk about yep. all kind. Oh, cry, cry, cry. And then I remember joining all of these circles, these medical circles, letting know of all these, you know, outcomes. And they were like, well, that's not FDA approved. So we can't support that. I was like, ah, it's everywhere around me. So finally, after all of that, in 2019, I said, I'm going to make a movie about it because I had already been acting um, and I really want, and I actually decided to make a movie after getting rejected at a, 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 an actor audition. Mm. And it was actually the casting director from that audition who rejected me, who said, why are you auditioning for a behind the scenes character when you need to be the main character and create your own independent wow. film? That casting director told me that. Wow. And what I was like, how are you going to reject me and then tell me to do something else? But if it wasn't for them, mm-hmm. I literally would not be here in this space. So that's where Mindy's Kitchens come from. Vegan full meals on the go. That because I was like, there's nothing to eat for people that don't eat meat or dairy or cheese or egg. Like, especially in the airports, nothing. Truck stops, on the go, gas stations, nothing. Nothing. So I thought, oh my gosh, if I'm on the go and I want something affordable, and I can't find it, and I have knowledge, skills, and ability to even ask for what I want, imagine people that don't. There is so much there. Um, it, it's a it, lot. <laughs> it's it's a lot. And um, th- so what, pe- what, what, what I think our listeners need to know is that fibroids, uh, fibroids, they actually plague black women the most Absolutely. though it uh, you it's it's the most common with black women one in three um, one in three is it's very high it's his, historically uh, throughout their families like you said mm-hmm. it's something that because we're we're not um for the better lack of words pussy powered up Mm-hmm. To be able to talk about the power of what it means to have our, our our cycle and our period and actually the power behind that. I've actually had a grieving moment myself in my healing process, realizing the power of what a period is mm-hmm. and how I lost so many years to not really knowing about this power. And, you know, there's many women who hate theirs, you know, but they mm-hmm. wish they didn't have it, not realizing how much power is actually in there. And now I'm on the breast of my young girl coming up and my daughter and, you know, my young daughter coming up and she's so excited, you know, we're going to have a whole period party in February. She hasn't started yet, but we are having a period party. Yeah. I'm going to invite her friends over, you know, she's going to have, she's already, she's telling me all about, she gets so excited and we're even looking into the period panties um, so that you can just flow. And there's so much, this is an area that needs so much attention uh, because it, it it is, it has been, oh, it's been demoralized. It's been shamed. It's been, um, it also it's tied into sexual abuse. When you start getting your period or you start advancing more, they don't want you anymore. You're thrown to the side, mm-hmm. but you're no longer of uh, this, you know, it's, you know, I don't want you anymore. Like, you no, know, you got, you got hair now and you got this and I, and, uh, blah, 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 right. Yeah. It's really it's... crazy how sick it is. Right. This just shows you how women have been, again, been used as sexual objects and demoralized and seen as just objectified. Sure. Right. And it's not, 
there just needs to be more light. And I know, I know a lot of women personally who have experienced the other thing, because again, for, with my background, I study trauma. Mm -hmm. I study, I study the depths of trauma. It's deeply tied. Fibroids are tied into extremely poor relationships somewhere along the line. There has been some type of very deeply impacted relationship. It could have been even with the grandmother or the great grandmother. We are seven to 10 generations in our DNA, in our trauma. We got, it didn't even start with us. There's actually a book that says it didn't start with you. And there's a painting. I always tell my students, I want to take them on a field trip and I will act up. I need you all to know right now. <laughs> I will, I'm a, I will embarrass you. Like I do. Love this. I, I love will, this. I, I act straight up because I'll be like, that's it. This is me in, in the Crocker. Right, that's it. That's what I'm talking about. Cause there's a painting <laughs> of DNA and I need all of you to go find this painting of DNA. And it has all these things. I'm like, that's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm after. I'm after the discovery and how we rewire this, how we reshape, because you can change your DNA. It is already, I've done it myself. I've been rewiring my DNA. And I understand that if I heal in this lifetime and they get to live in that light, my descendants, we win, I win. And guess what? We are the light. So, so there, right? So I think what you're doing is, is so amazing, bringing mm -hmm. a voice, bringing an awareness, um, removing shame. There is, again, so much work here. And I think, I think what it is too is, and to all my listeners, if you can't do it with your daughter, Hey, I'm here to support you to figure out how we could do it together. Cause I think a lot of moms just, they weren't taught it. I wasn't taught it either. I actually started my period late and th they thought something was wrong with me. Well, it was, I was being molested. I was a sexual object until I was, you know, 13 mm -hmm. years old, three to 13. So then I delayed in starting my period until almost 16, actually. Well, yeah, that's what happens when you're when you're treated like that. I mean, there's mm -hmm. so many factors at play, right? And I, it was shameful, right? And, and, right, and it right. It was like, what's wrong with you and all these things. And um, there was no understanding. I know a lot of women right. who were just, didn't even know what to do. They can just remember going in the bathroom and wrapping toilet paper and yes. figuring that, like, this has got to stop. As women, we need to heal the motherhood issue that plagues us from being able to love one another as women, because that's the root of it, is that you had a mom who was wicked or a stepmom or a woman caregiver and that was your first bully. So then you don't like women. And let's just be real because you're afraid they're going to bully you. And that has to stop. Light is not intimidated by light. Only darkness is. The feminine and the divine feminine is on the rise. But the only way that she's going to truly rise in her full power and authority, mm -hmm. which she mm -hmm. does need desperately to get here, to raise our frequency to the way it needs to be for the future of humanity, is if we get to the root of these issues. Yep. If we get to the root. And what you do is you get to the root root of the exposure with food, right? My students just closed out with their, um, their ethical presentations. And one was food Inc. And it talked about how they're injecting the chickens and the, the cows and how the chickens are so big y'all that their bones break. They can't even stand up. Why? Mm -hmm. Why, why have we, why are there no seeds in fruit anymore? And watermelon, mm -hmm. watermelon's supposed to have seeds. You swallow it. It's not going to grow a watermelon in your belly. I know right. 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 Like, what's wrong? Why? Because we, as people got tired of spitting out seeds, that's just lazy. 
And now I mean, it's also mass production too, you yes. know, in our society. So I want to also preface this too, for anyone listening, um, it's really important for me to advocate as a queer black woman for our trans family members and our trans listeners. And I think about our trans men that are going through fibroids, endometriosis, and these horrific menstruation cycles. And because of all these phobias and all this religious nonsense, you know, they'll go to the doctor and will just get treated like they're not human like they don't exist, like they don't have the same challenges as other folks. And I also want to ground this in folks that are non-English speakers, right? That are also trying to figure out, okay, and I and I want to also ground this in the bravery around people that were not born or raised here and come to this country and get treated like straight dog shit and are still resilient in their ideas of like, I'm going to learn this language to the best of my ability. I'm going to figure out the cultural norms. I'm going to figure out all these societal ways of existing in this space that tells me I'm not good enough. I don't belong, but there's something about this experience that is making me hold on because I believe that my family is going to have a different future that I have. Like there's a level of bravery. I don't think people understand So when I talk about, you know, reproductive justice and justice inside medical spaces, I'm talking about all of it, you know, and Mm -hmm. I, and I, when I talk about this reproductive justice, I'm talking about global justice for humanity and we cannot move forward as society if the womb is not healthy. And (laughs) I hear so many cisgender men talk about that's women's health. Um, Where did you come from? Right. What? What's going on? Whether you have same sex parents, you know, different sex, different gender parents, whether you were raised from an adoptive person, a caregiver, a family friend, somebody's womb sacrificed uh, several months, I might add, for you to be here. Now, maybe not all nine, maybe some are six or seven, but either way, somebody's body took the time to cook you, right? To, To make sure that you can exist and enter this very earthly realm. And so when I think about people telling me it's not that big of a deal, mm-hmm. I'm like, you, it, sh- it shouldn't matter. It shouldn't have to wait till it comes into your four walls of your household for you to realize how big of a deal is, right? I don't need to experience a massive illness to know that an illness walk is important, right? I should just know like that seems important and I want to be proactive. And this is the same. So whether you're married to somebody with the womb, you have a womb, your neighbor has a womb, your family members, your niece, your nephew, your nibblings, your siblings, your kids, somebody around you, a colleague has a womb, your grandparents, and they need your advocacy. Mm-hmm. They need your advocacy. And that's where this comes from. Mm-hmm. And I also think about the way in which the medical system has totally rooted this in racism instead of inequity. When I think about how one in three Black folk have fibroids or is going to have a uterine illness, you would think, wow, if it's one in three of Black folks, that still means other folks are getting it. So we need to get to the root of what is going on so we can can get to preventative. Just Mm -hmm. like when you go get treated for diabetes and they tell you, oh, you might be pre-diabetic, the same energy. If you go to get a scan and they see something that could be precancerous, same energy, right? You should be able to go to the doctor and be like, hey, endocrinologist, uh, gynecologist, OBGYN, I want to also get scanned for fibroids, endometriosis, endomyosis, PCOS, and let me know if I'm exerting pre any of those things so I can course correct. But mm-hmm. instead, when we think about access to care, the way health insurance is set up, when we think about 
whether you have full coverage or liability, how people treat you differently, whether you have Medi-Cal or Medicaid, people treat you differently, Mm, whether you live in certain neighborhoods, you get access to stuff differently. It's like, it's all set up for people that need it the most to fail. Mm -hmm. And that's where this movie and this food line and all this is rooted in. Like, it shouldn't matter where I live, what my zip code is, what my financial status is to be treated like a human. It, It should not matter. That part. And we we are unfortunately not there yet. And we mm-hmm. need to be there in order, like you have said several times, and I for humanity to continue to exist because without the womb, there is no humanity. There's no humanity. There is no humanity. So goodbye, humans. Right. Um, with uh, and you know, without a voice, others can't stand up. And you're by with you speaking up your voice, you're giving encouragement to others. Being an educator and a teacher, you know, I think I love that that is how you, how you did have a part of your journey and you still are because what you do, what you are doing is teaching and you're educating people and we need more of that and we need more people to then learn that and go help us teach and educate because we can't do this on our own, right? We have to create the ripple effect, the movement. And I really um, see a, a lot of, just need, especially with our young girls and helping, you know, young parents knowing how how to do with their young girls because they didn't get it. And just because you didn't get something doesn't mean you can't get it now for yourself or by somebody else. Um, You can't let that be an excuse because if it was both her and I would be a mess right now, but we're not, we're here with you to be able to give you this knowledge. Um, and to help empower you. And yes. we're available too. So know that I'm going to drop her stuff in here in a little bit and tell you about that before we close out. But we are available and we want you to connect with us so that you can, you know, help us right um, along this journey. I, I really do commend the work that you're doing. And I'm excited about Mindy's kitchen and the growth of it. The one thing too is you're an entrepreneur. Yes. So tell me, let's give a, because you know, I'm entrepreneur. I got, it's a crazy journey. They don't know about this it's crazy wild. journey. Give them just a little snippet about this crazy entrepreneurship journey. A little, little wisdom before we oh, get ready to wrap up. But yes. Really, So I want to also say on that journey, I've always been an entrepreneur. I've always been a hustler. I've always been someone that's going to fill the gap. So I I feel we need to demystify this idea that you leave this good job to go out and explore. Like you're already going to exert and exude, right? These ways of like, you know how to get it done. You know how to monetize your craft or your gift. And so I've always had that entrepreneurial spirit because I come from poverty, So I was like, the lights got to stay on. So I'm going to go do X, Y, and Z to make sure the lights are on. And so I learned that extremely early. I'm talking 13. Like, I'm going to go do hair so I can get paid my little $75 to go make sure there's gas in our car and and groceries in our house. You know what I'm saying? Like, I learned that really early. But I didn't realize the time that I was learning how to be a hustler, how 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 to monetize my gift and my ability and perfect it to give it value. And so... All the things that I was doing while working as an educator, I finally decided to give that full energy. That's what I mean when I went on to be an entrepreneur. I decided to listen to my assignment in this lifetime and monetize that because I knew that now that I had this educator background and this social justice grounding, and I have been through enough to be able to speak firmly about it, I was like, this is time. So for anybody that's listening that, you know, because social media will have you going through imposter syndrome about being an entrepreneur. 
No, you, you have it in you. And if you have a dream inside of you about executing a gift, a purpose or initiative, an idea, that's that entrepreneurial spirit, honey. And it's talking to you. And I just want to tell, you know, anybody there's, you have to literally ignore everybody else and focus on the creative gifts that are inside of you that you know, only you know how to do it well. And mm-hmm. even if somebody else does the same thing, they don't do it like you. They sure don't. They sure don't because everybody right now, raise your hands. Listen, this is my favorite part. Don't raise your hands this time. Raise your thumb up. Everybody right now. <laughs> oh, there you go. You put your thumb up. You see your thumb. That fingerprint right there is unique. Right. It cannot be duplicated. Cannot. It can, it can be rolled. <laughs> we'll leave right. that on the We can right. roll it. For, for fingerprinting, but it cannot be duplicated. It is your proof of the miracle of life, which yeah. came from the womb, which right. came from a woman, no matter in the journey of however it happened, whether it was traumatic or whether it was a smooth sail in, which I don't know if any of us smooth smell in, you know, right. like <laughs> right. a straight shot in here. It was lots of pushing or lots of pulling you out. Anyways, right. this thumbprint is your unique identification. Yes. Nobody, no twin, nobody has this but you. And this right. is evidence of your miracle. This is evidence of your calling. And so instead of raising your hands all today, I want you to just to raise your thumbs and I want you to then look at your fingerprint and realize, listen, yeah, no, I know they do that, but they don't have my thumbprint, right? you know, and it, it's the same thing with like, I want you to think of this car activation, like voice control, right? You can't, they can't start your car, baby. That's they cannot. a voice control just for you, right? They cannot. That's a voice control. You got voice control to that car. So that's the drive that I want all of you to find. And um, so we're going to give them some homework in a minute. But before we give Love them that. some homework, because I always give them homework, uh, <laughs> and I made them raise their thumb. My favorite part is when I ask them to raise their hand as I see them and I feel them and I do you guys. <laughs> listen up to I love it. It's my favorite. But they know it's my favorite part. Anyways, where do you see the vision? Where do you see yourself going? What's what's the vision and the calling? So when I turned 30 and um, when I turned 30, I actually turned 35 this month, December. Nice. Um, and so when I turned 30, I made the decision that I was entering a decade without excuses. Mm. I had everything that I could ever want. Age was on my side at the time. Degrees were on my side. I am I am I already had a passport. You know, I had a, I had a credit card, so I was like, "What else? What other excuse could I use to not go after what I needed?" And so I said, "Okay, this is the first decade where I get to say, if I'm granted from the divine ten years, unrestricted years, what am I going to do with it?" And I'm telling you, that moment is when I went crazy on everybody. I started turning that gas putting that, that ignite that fire. And I started saying all gas, no breaks, because in these 10 years, and I say this with full conviction, I am activating everything that is inside of me that I have within this life. And I am giving it everything that I've got. I am not looking back. I am not looking back. And if I can bestow any type of advice, or feedback rather. I, I, I've stopped using the word advice because I can't tell you how to be you and you can't tell me how to be me. We haven't walked the same journeys. Mm-hmm. And so me giving you advice means that if you just do what I did with all my trauma, that that's going to work. No. And sometimes mm-hmm. we don't realize we're speaking from a negative place. And so I've been correcting myself and say, rather than advice, let me, my feedback 
based on the life that I've experienced in this room, I wanna empower everybody to remember, much like Professor P said, it's inside of you. Mm -hmm. If you were dreaming it, that means that is the future looking you dead in your heart and saying you have the capacity to do this. If you can't stop thinking about it, that is energy telling you that you were already equipped to execute it. Mm -hmm. If you wake up every day with this very specific vision that only you have, that's your destiny talking to you. That is how the creator gets to communicate through you, through dreams, through feelings, through that, that fire. And that is something you cannot let die because that means that's just your assignment. And so well, I hear people all the time say, well, how do you know what's right for you? Why are you listening? Are you digging deep? Or are you so trained in suppressing your own thought that you just can't hear it anymore? It's that part. It's that part because controlled thought makes the most money. Poverty and oppression are very big business today. We look at people who are very controlled. They're very puppeted. Their thought process, you you saw that over the last several years here, just very Mm -hmm. evident of how how controlled thought was and, and, and it's extremely controlled and it's, it's actually advanced its control with social media, the way that it is. And, um, I, I tell my students, you know, go deeper, think deeper, think deeper, you know, go deeper. Nope. It's, you're not there. Nope. You're still at the surface. You're still surface dwelling. And if you don't think for yourself, I can promise you somebody will think for you. And that is, that's, that's going to be a hard life. You're going to live in misery. And that, and that's what you're saying right there. And I'm a big promoter of that critical thinking and no, nope, that don't sound right. (laughs) You know, like, nope, that didn't, that doesn't work for me. And here's something that she was saying. I, I love how you were able to pull yourself back and be like, no, I can't actually say advice. I need to say feedback. Um, for this reason. And and I want to just wrap some words around that because success is not a secret. It's a system. Yes. It's a system, but it's my system that works with the fact that I don't like to really get started till about 10 o'clock that works to the (laughs) fact that, you know, I am multidimensional and I might be like squirrel, right? It works my system of being unapologetic with the boldness of my voice because I have the grace of a disruptor. So I can take the critics and withstand them with my shield of my four animals and say, hey, let me get my life together real fast. That's a shout out to my students and their poster they made me. But listen, (laughs) and just that quick, I will turn back because that's my system. And along this journey, I go and I listen to podcasts like this and others, and I go to trainings and teaching. I'm constantly digesting and taking in knowledge because it's powerful and self-directing because the world is within everyone. The world is within. The deeper you crawl within, the more free you become. And it's important for you to build your system according to the way that your energy is, the giftings and talents that God has bestowed on you, which were in you since you were little, since before you had to suppress them because of traumas, little T, big T, doesn't matter. All of that reshaped and rewired you, but you get to have your divine birthrights given back to you. And that's something I'm really after, especially for women, because we have literally been raped uh, of many things. And and, and people too, I, 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 I love the Me Too movement, but I can't do it unless I add an N after it because men suffer with these things. People suffer with these things. We can't kill the demon if we're just going after one head because there's multiple heads. So, but I I want everybody to understand that what you got today was a massive dose of 
well, a lot of dimensions, and I hope you enjoy <laughs> all that because we went all over the place, but that your voice matters. And if you are feeling like you, you know, struggle with your voice mattering, come and see us and get under some coaching and get around this because we will spark you. She is definitely a catalyst. Melissa is a catalyst. I for sure am an activator. She's an activator. You got mm-hmm. sparked today for sure. There's no mm-hmm. doubt. Create your system, live boldly. If you don't dominate your dash and you just become a laying stick in the middle of two, you you know what I'm saying, everyone? Because it's important to dominate this dash. I think people are scared. This is my idea. People have, and we've been trained to fear death, right? We fear that. And so we get caught up in this idea of fearing something versus understanding, but we're in this life right now, right? We've been totally taught to fear the end and say, well, you don't know when it is. So it's this terrible thing versus saying like, okay, I can't stop that. That's going to happen inevitably. But what I can control is while the lights are on, I get to Millie rock all over this bad boy. And I remember I was in the airport this past weekend and I was cracking up because social media be just be the perfect thing for me when I'm having a rough day sometimes. So I'd be cracking up. And this guy who was clearly unhappy with his little life was like, nothing's that funny. I don't even know this man, right? And so I was like, I said, sir, we don't know when the lights are going to go out. You better let me have my five seconds of laughter. What's wrong with you? And him and his wife start busting up. I'm like, yeah, but some people will take that and completely shut down. Mm -hmm. And I Mm -hmm. think that's what's happened to a lot of folks, right? People have, they've expressed something really exciting. And then Mm -hmm. somebody said something terrible to them Mm -hmm. and then Mm -hmm. they retreated back in. And I told my friends recently, and I want to tell this to the listeners too. We, when we see ourselves thriving, we see ourselves living out our best life. But guess what? If we don't start now, we will not be able to really maximize our best life because we think that we're supposed to be given this grace of age. We don't know that. We don't know if we'll get the chance to be elderly. We don't know if we'll get the chance to retire, quotation marks. We don't know. And so why would you bank on that when life and circumstances have shown us time and time again that life is not promised? You got to activate everything within you now. Just try it. 100%. And that is living in today and you're now that's the only door that exists. The past is locked and you can bang on it like a crazy person, but it's not the future (laughs) is locked and you can bang on it like a crazy person. And I have ways to teach you how to heal the past and to activate the future. But what I tell you now is the only door that open is the now. And the now is where you have to take both of those and bring into possession in this. And the now is continuously changing and we're going to shift into new nows here in just a moment. But before I close out this now, Mm -hmm. I want to say something because you touched on something. There is this fear and I have a deep understanding of eternity. And Mm -hmm. I think it's what gives me this ability to speak. And my listeners have heard me tell them before you are intrinsic. You have intrinsic value. There is no dollar amount, no career, no past or present event that will ever dictate your value. You are worthy because you are worthy. And what I need you to do is I need you to step up in your worthiness. 
and step up with your intrinsic value because you are eternal, everlasting, never ending, always and forever. You are energy. It has already been noted that energy cannot be destroyed nor created. Yes. We are energetic beings. And I need you to understand this. I need you to deepen in your understanding of metaphysics, quantum physics. I need you to understand that the frequency of love is the highest frequency of all. And bliss is waiting for you there with open arms. Love is the only thing that is real. Everything else is an illusion. Love yes. never dies, but it will transcend one day as each of us will do. And all we do is simply take off our glove. We lay our glove down and we think it's for a service and we continue to float on as our hand dances before us, the beautiful miracle of spirituality in mm-hmm. the essence of the soul, which was given by God in mm-hmm. its grace. And I want you to walk in that because what you have is divine power. You know, the, the, the last episodes that come out, just, uh, you're actually starting the year off for, with me, but the couple of episodes was mirror, mirror on the wall. Show me how powerful I am. After all, don't you know mm-hmm. that you are the walking, living reflection of the divine? That, yes. that is the power that is within you. Yes. So I want all of you to go in the mirror and I want you all to have an aha moment. And for all of you women, I I want you to put your hand on your belly and I want you to just give gratitude for your womb and the wombs of the world and hold sacred space for a healing moment for us. I really appreciate you, Melissa, coming in and activating us. You, you showed you shared so much with us. The homework that I want to give everybody, mm-hmm. I want everybody to make sure you follow her. First of all, her social media is funny. Her stories, I have to like be careful that I'm not too loud laughing because she's just, just hilarious in her stories. You <laughs> will spit out whatever you're eating. Don't eat anything while you watch her stories. They are <laughs> ridiculous, not ridiculous, ridiculous. Okay, like they're straight retarded. <laughs> they are like. I, I, it's so funny. So watch her story, <laughs> connect with her. But I want you to follow her movement. I want you to go check out her tour. We're going to link all of her information below. You're going to have all her contact information. But your bigger homework is I want you to go educate yourself on this. I want you to go educate yourself on what's really happening in our medical system. I want you to see what we're really doing. I want you to open your mind to thinking. I want you to question everything. Yes. Trust no one. No, you can trust people. Listen, question everything. (laughs) We got to work better than I trust. I'll be like, question everything. It's hard. It's hard. We got trust issues. We're going to work on it. And we're growing. And I want you to have grace with yourself. I want you to have grace with yourself. I want you to forgive yourself for what you, mm, I receive it. Yes. I'm I'm feeling that there needs to be an intense amount of forgiveness to people for what they did not know. Oh, what they did not know just and misinformation and misinformation given yes. to you and and things that were told to you that you believe that actually were not truth they were not yes. they, again like i said they were jackets that belonged in seasons of the past you get to take those jackets off now i want you to continue to pull back your jackets and remove them so that you leave a legacy of empowerment and no longer conditioning your descendants get to have the right to their own story your descendants get to have the right to power that you have pioneered and you will see the results of that but it will be on a different realm like she said she came from heaven and from heaven she will return (laughs) and on that perspective you will be able to see the results that you have pioneered because you're doing pioneer work melissa i'm doing pioneer work We are, we will not see, and you have to let go of that. That's hard as a results-driven person, but I can tell you, I'm, I'm okay with getting ready, you know, eventually when I'm 116, I'm going out at 116. (laughs) Anyways, to see that 
from a different yeah. perspective. Yeah. Oh, it's like setting in the nice orchestra, you know, the, the no, the, the nice little, what is it in the theater, the special corner anyways in the right theater, right up right. there and getting that special view and you looking down and I can tell you right now your ancestors are thanking you for what you're doing because every chain you break here you release off them and your descendants are encouraging you in advance because you are also helping them not be captive and chained and I just commend you because the ripple effect you're having you giving women a voice when they didn't have a voice to tell their stories and your documentary that you're now taking out you teaching people about food and bringing relief and making it affordable and quick I mean there's such a movement here I can see massive blessings for you and I just encourage you in your walk and in what what is planned for you what is continuously planned for you again steps are already ordered you can't mess this thing up I tell people this all the time everything was divinely orchestrated so you can't mess it up it was all purposeful. It right. was all meant to be. It was all in place. You had to go through all of those things to come back to be able to share and all the things that you are still yet getting ready to go into and all those little ups and downs. Those are all purposeful for your mission at hand. So don't mm -hmm. remember, you can't mess this up, everyone. Everything works according to the plan. And I am so grateful for your time. Any last words before we close out? We're going to close out now, but thank you so much. What's the, any last closing words for my listeners? Woo! We're on fire. I just love it. Yes. Uh, yeah. Love just it. remember you are what you believe. You are what you believe and exactly what that means. So you have the power to control everything around you because everything around us is a manifestation of what we believe, of what Absolutely. we think we can have, who we think we are, and what we think we can have in the future. So 100%. And that mm -hmm. is accurate. It, it goes in alignment with all my podcasts. It's what I teach people. Uh, words crystallize into form. Thought crystallizes in form before us. We yes. get to have this. I think I'm so humbled to be a co-creator. Like that's so humbling to me that I have this ability and this power. And I honestly, because I'm 48 now, I can't get out to enough people to teach them. It's why I'm after the youth. It's why I'm after really anybody. I don't care what age, because I, if I can save you and your older and you don't die with the demon lord let me be let me go right right like right whatever it is but there is a movement for us to be radical disruptors and i can promise you you have the grace for it which means you will be able to withstand the critics you'll be able to with because it's not easy to be here it hurts mm -hmm. sometimes to be mm -hmm. here we're human our feelings get hurt we boohoo and cry we absolutely get but we still get back up because there's such a just cause at hand we are playing the infinite game we live in the infinite world, which means the players are interchangeable, but the game is consistent. Find the just cause. And in that you will live a very righteous life and a fulfilled life. And the work you do will be outside of the matrix and inside of humanity. And that's where we need you the most. Melissa, thank you so much. I will be linking all your information. Yes. Listeners, you know what to do. You've got your homework. Come back, uh, share this message out. This is a message that needs to get out. I'm so grateful for you all. Thank you so much again, Melissa. I really appreciate your time. Yeah, it was a pleasure and I can't wait to see you at one of my tour stops. Let's do Absolutely, it. Absolutely, let's do it. Thanks everyone for listening today. I hope you received a lot out of that episode and are feeling energized. 
and ready for whatever lies ahead. If you did enjoy it, I'd appreciate it if you'd share it out. Thank you in advance for doing so. Please also connect with me on social media, Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, Natasha M. Palumbo. And until next time, be encouraged, be empowered, and as always, be well.